Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Centric Podcast. As a conclusion to the other two episodes of our topic on coping with stress and anxiety, this is a question and answer session with Islamic scholar Sheikh Abdulaziz Ahmed and cognitive behavioral therapist Saika Naz. And there's a number of topics which they cover. They answer questions such as, is mental illness associated with punishment? Thinking about the mind, body and soul. The importance of breathing. Struggling to implement the CBT model and the value of having a therapist. Looking at the spiritual path, connecting knowledge, action and our state. A specific question on obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, and whether that is due to the shaitan, nafs or is a coping mechanism. And there's a discussion around the use of medication in mental health. So I hope you do benefit from this podcast. Please do rate, review, like and share wherever you get your podcast from. And I look forward to speaking to you next time. The first question is mental illness associated with punishment. Um, And the answer to that is no. Because all tribulations that come to a believer are not punishments. They are tests. And the word bala, ibtila, uh, have, has two qualities. One is that it makes clear the good within a thing. Um, and the other, it, 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 it um, will make manifest what is good already in that thing. So the, these are the qualities. So it's not considered to be a punishment. Any, any test. So if somebody loses his sight, for example, you don't say, oh, God's punishing them. Is not what we believe. If not, why do some scholars say it is? Because they don't understand and there's no evidence to contradict what I've said. Um, I've heard them talk about the idea of earthly punishment given in this world rather than the hereafter. And that's true as well, but it's not related to um, mental health. Sometimes if somebody's done something wrong, um, Allah, it's, it's understood that Allah might cleanse them, which is what, what if you look to the of the hadith that I mentioned, Allah will cover up or will, will the mistakes that they've done. And it might be that, that um, it's an act of purification, so to speak, but it's not a purification, meaning a punishment. Um, so there are, there are elements of those two things which have been misunderstood and explained in a different way. And I, I think... Um, um, the word punishment, I think, is a, is a is problematic, and unfortunately, that's one of the things that does cause, um, I believe, causes mental health problems. Because where we are focusing from childhood, you will be punished, you will be punished, you will be punished. There is a burning hellfire, um, and children are brought up with that from very early age. I I don't personally think it's healthy. And it's not what the Prophet said you should do. He says, Give people good news and don't chase them away. This is the Prophet himself said that. Give them good news, positive thoughts, do not chase them away. Um, the second question the idea of mind, body, soul, which other religions describe like Buddhism, does this relate to Islam? And if so, how practically? First of all, the believers, the, the Prophet says, that wisdom is the lost property of the believer. And here, what's meant, and in another narration, he says, seek knowledge even if it be in China. What's meant is that knowledge doesn't have to 
be um, limited or your understanding of knowledge does not have to be limited to what the Prophet said or what's found in the Quran. There is wisdom elsewhere. And that's not that. So, so where you find wisdom in other faiths, in other, other cultures, especially when it, it's, it's in, in matters like this, it's the Dalat al Mu'minin, as he says, it's the lost property of the believer. How does it uh, work practically? I'll give you some examples that the concept of breathing within, Islam, within Buddhism is fundamental to it. To, 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 for example, yoga is all built around breathing. However, if you look at one of the great scholars of Islam, Ayn al-Din al-Chisti, and therefore the Chisti Tariqa, which interestingly several of our Imams in Glasgow follow, it's built around breathing. It's built around understanding how the, 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 the how one controls one's breath, how one con uses the breath to focus. And you might have seen people in, in their vicar going into a state where they go, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, and they think, oh, it's this kind of crazy behavior. It's actually focusing on one's breathing and on one's heart. So, so where you see for example, another example of one of one of the teachers is where they actually use the name of Allah to focus on the breathing. So they were So they use their breathing to understand and contemplate the one that created the breath. And you'll find that technique is also used in yoga. It doesn't mean that they're you know, so on a practical level, all of these can help. And, and as the psychic pointed out, that, that you know there are there are commonalities to to, to to all human beings in dealing with things like that. So just saying that you, you understand this, yeah, what the, the the cycle, for example, but you're struggling to implement some of the cognitive work. Um, well, not just the cognitive, just just implemented some of the practical uh, things, um, and, and I guess this is why therapy is really helpful because you're not expected to do it on your own you do it alongside somebody and it's a very collaborative process and it's not about getting it right or wrong it's you're, you're practicing something you're reviewing it you're coming back to it. okay might need tweaking so again you know what I've given you today it's very kind of black and white information but when you're in that therapy session with the therapist it's tailored around your needs and if it was easy we wouldn't get stuck so, you know, I'd really encourage anybody who might have a similar question is just to, just to try it out. Give it a go and try it out and, and see how you get on with it. Does that answer your question? I don't know if there's any easy answers. It's just... It's a skill, isn't it? You know, if, I, if you're used to writing with your right hand and I say now write with your left hand, it's going to be pretty difficult, isn't it? You're going to have to practice, and you, you know, you're, you you might you may never write as well with your left hand as you do with your right hand. And it's it's is very much like that. If we're used to uh, thinking in a certain way or behaving in a certain, what we're trying to do is just to try to do perhaps do something slightly different, something which isn't uh, natural or normal to us. So it's not going to be easy. But just like with any other skill, the more we practice, you know, we might have to come back and look at how we're practicing, tweak it up a bit. And, and that's the role of the therapist, really, to, to support you through that process of change. Talib al-Makki, uh, he described the spiritual path as having three phases. There's knowledge, ilm, which leads to amal, 
action. And knowledge on its own is no use unless it leads to action. And amal, action or doing something, leads to what we call a hal, a state. So you know that patience is good. But knowing that doesn't make any difference until you're actually put in a test. And then when you're test, tested, you become patient and it becomes a state and then it confirms the knowledge. So this is something that we all have to go through. And a good example is, is what um, you're talking about diaries, it's something that I use, when I'm coping, especially when I'm facing a difficult situation. And when Sarah was very ill, that was one of the things that I was doing. I was continually writing a diary, and almost every day I would write in the diary, I am content with God's decree, I'm content with Allah's plan. Every day that would have been, would have fixed, somehow it would have fitted in there. But then one day, Sarah was in the hospital, and remember she'd just come out of intensive care, she'd been in there for four months, and she turned around and she said, I've never been happier in my life, and it just knocked me back, because I'd never used the word happy, I'd said content. But interestingly, some couple of things happened a few weeks later, and then it just struck me what she meant. Yeah, I'm actually happy now. What I just said in the, in the talk is I'm a, I've never been happier. But where did I learn that? It was actually from, from Sarah. I knew all of that. I'm supposed to be a sheikh and all of that stuff. But until you're actually tested, which is why the word testing is so important, you don't really practice it. And that's one of the reasons why we put into these situations. And then it becomes a state. And that's why if I lose my passport, I don't actually try to think, well, it's not a big deal losing your passport because it doesn't, a lot of things don't fret, I don't worry anymore because it becomes a state and then you do become patient and Sarah said, what would she do? She'd start swearing, that's the old Sarah um, and she used to get very angry but she doesn't because with practice it comes so knowledge leads to action which leads to a state and it will come it will come Sort of like the question is that OCD is it to do with the shaitan and nafs or, or is it a coping mechanism? Okay, we should have had Paul here. Our, our new president of the BABCP is Mr. OCD, isn't he? <laughs> um, I guess again, you're coming back to that spiritual perspective. So, we were a lot of Muslims that I know, I know somebody's. Is, having problems at the minute and it's around wudu and praying and repetition and washing to the extent that they can't pray anymore and I guess that's the, it's fueled by the anxiety of um, not getting, uh, uh, not having their prayers um, being accepted and validated coming back to that concept I guess of being punished by God where does that come from, do you know, the madrasas and the mosques and do you know, so it's kind of coming from there so I guess in terms of um, the shaitan, I'll let uh, Sheikh answer that, but in terms of um, psychological perspective, it's an anxiety disorder, okay? So the fear there is being punished of not getting uh, the wudu right or your prayer right, so you have to do certain rituals, okay, which then, you know, sometimes they're mental rituals, sometimes they behave, it's not all just washing hands, it could be counting, you know, lots of different sort of um, behaviours. As I said, I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, these are, these are behaviors or cognitive behaviors. Uh, and it's not a, in my case, it's not a problem under normal circumstances, but it can be a problem. Because for example, I, I, I can, there was a point where I couldn't get to work 
because every time I got to the roundabout, I needed to go back to relock the door. Um, but these, this wasn't. This became a problem, not because it's a behaviour of mine. It's because I was going through other issues that I didn't know with. No, well, I did know about them, but they just manifested themselves in a different way. And I can joke about how my ex-wife used to say, "I was so German," because I was so. And I was thinking. I never lose my passport. Why? Because I check my passport every 10 seconds. Oh, yeah, it's still there. 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 So I've never got to a point where I've gone for two, three, two or three minutes without checking my passport. This is, so you're right in one sense that it's a coping mechanism. As for Shaitan, I wouldn't like to blame him for my behavior on this occasion because that's another option that the brothers, you know, will, will be very aware of. You know, we blame Shaitan for everything and hope that Imam can sort it. You know, you're kind of actually denying your own situation and your own role in this. And I think that's not uh, a positive way to, to approach this. It's much more positive to look at it as this is a, a behavior that can become problematic if it becomes excessive, as it did in my case occasionally. And you need to deal with that. And that Empower and looking at it and trying to deal with it in whatever means it necessary is what we need to, to aim for. So the question is about uh, the use of medication um, and what role it's got to play and does it have a role? Uh, I think it's a really important question in terms of uh, very much what we see within psychiatry is um, something called the biopsychosocial model where we understand that it's biological factors that, that are important um, causing mental illness and mental distress and sometimes that's part of the solution. There can be psychological issues as well, so for example if your own experiences about your past, the way you see the world, the way you think about the future, um, that can be have difficulties around that. There can also be social issues as well in terms of uh, looking at, you know, as the problems of debt, poverty, um, relationship issues, and so very much this biopsychosocial model we know is a very recognised issue and I think uh, very much what is recognised even within the Royal College of Psychiatry is something called the spiritual angle. So it's called the biopsychosocial and spiritual angle. So we know that there are spiritual aspects and very much in terms of mental health issues where it can affect people in very different ways. Each one of these domains, um, people can sit on different uh, aspects of this, uh, on the spectrum. And for some people, the biological factors are more important, or psychological, social, but often it's a combination in the spiritual aspect as well. So my response would be, we know that in some cases medication isn't helpful, but in many situations it's a combination of these type of approaches is what's most useful for people as a holistic approach. Um, sometimes the things that Psyche has talked about in terms of the psychological aspects, and um, what we know is that when you're really depressed or anxious and you're struggling to get out of bed, your concentration's poor, um, it becomes really difficult to engage with these sorts of things and medication can get you to a level where you're well enough to um, engage with this sort of therapy. And we know people do a combination of uh, psychological therapies as well as medication do, do, very, uh, do better. Um, and, and many people where there have been previous past you know, adverse experiences growing up and um, we know that perhaps medication has a very limited role and is more a psychological approach in terms of understanding issues around uh, your, the way you've been treated in the past, maybe if bad things have happened in your upbringing, and that can certainly affect um, you in later life. And a medication or a pill is not going to take that away. 
but we know that you know so it's a, the, the key thing about us uh, I guess from a scholarly perspective from uh, a medical perspective as, as you know a therapist perspective is unlocking the combination of these issues for that individual person and trying to help them in these domains um, and and the final thing I would say about medication is that in medication can be seen in two ways. One is that it gets people better, so it treats the acute side of the illness, but also the preventative role in many illnesses. So it's a, it's a prophylactic or a preventative thing. And so when people are on it lifelong or for many years, it's, it's about preventing a relapse of their illness. And very much you could see as any other sort of chronic health condition, um, if you've got problems with high blood pressure, you might be on medication for blood pressure for many years. Uh, to help control it, or if you have diabetes, you might be on in insulin. And so very much thinking about medication, I wouldn't see it as a negative thing, that it's something that is, you know, something that you have to defeat or, you know, a, a marker of your progress is you have to come off medication. Um, if it's keeping you well and it's helping you uh, and it has a preventative role, then, you know, I think staying on it and keeping well is perhaps very important. So um, I think it's different in different people, but I think medication does have a role in the right type of people in the right sort of illnesses.